Are y'all ready to hear this? You may not be, but here it comes anyway. (laughs) I titled this message this morning is, Sin Hurts More Than Just You. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that in a minute, but be thinking about that, that sin in your life hurts more than just you. Go ahead and be turning to the book of Joshua. We'll start in chapter 6. And while you're turning there, I'm going to ask you a question. How many times have y'all heard someone say, or maybe you've thought it to yourself, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, then it doesn't matter. It's my business. You know, I know you've probably thought that. I've thought it myself. You know, as long as this sin in my life ain't hurting anybody else, then nobody else ought to be concerned about it. It ain't none of their business. Well, we'll address that this morning. Joshua chapter 6, verse 18. I tell you what, before I read this, let me give you some background on what's going on because I'm just going to kind of read a couple scriptures here and there and I don't want to read you know two or three chapters but what we're what we're going to read this morning after Moses uh, died and Joshua took charge of the Israelites and he uh, was led by God you know in everything he did and he began to lead them into uh, the promised land to conquer all these other um, civilizations or cities or countries, whatever they may have been. And, you know, they they had a good victory over Jericho. And, and God was just really working on their side. And God had promised them that He would be with them. And that He was going to lead them and that no, nothing they came up against would hinder them in any way. Well, he also told them when they went into Jericho to not keep anything. Everything that they uh, took from that city was to go into God's treasury. It was to be stored up for Him. And you know, there were times that people would keep things and you know, uh, they would keep things they liked and that they could use some of the animals or whatever. They would use the animals for sacrifice, various different things. But this particular time, he said, don't keep anything. So let's, uh, from there, let's just start reading in verse 18 of chapter 6. And this is where he gives them the command. He says, And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest you make yourselves accursed, when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. Now go to Joshua 7 and verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, in the tribe of, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. So you see, you've got this one man, Achan, that decided that, yeah, I heard what God said, but I'm going to take something because I like it. Now what was his sin here? 
Let's talk about his sin first. The sin that Achan had, it wasn't just that he kept this thing. Number one, he was disobedient to God and the covenant that God had made with him. Number two, he was covetous. He lusted after something that didn't belong to him because God had already said, that's mine. You don't keep it. And the third thing is he stole from what belonged to God. So there was three sins there from him keeping this stuff. And you can continue reading on and you'll find out later on what all he kept and everything, but that's not really important right now. What's important is that this one man's sin had an impact on the entire nation of Israel. What did the verse say that we just read? It said, God's anger was kindled against the children of Israel. It didn't say against Achan. It said against all of them. Now why is that? How is it possible that one man can screw up and ruin it for everybody? How is it that one person's sin can bring God's anger against everybody else. That don't make any sense, does it? You know, we live in a day and time where that just wouldn't fly for most people. Most people would say, well, that's not very fair. Fair ain't got nothing to do with it. That We're talking about God's law. And what, what was the covenant He made? The first verse we read. The last part of it says, When you take of the incursed thing, you make the camp of Israel a curse. What I want to talk to you all mostly about today, what I want to focus on, what I want you to get from this, is that one person's sin can destroy the blessings of God for a church body. Now, listen, God has not revealed to me in some kind of mystical fashion that, that there's somebody here today that's got sin in their life. That's, I, I, don't, I don't do that. God don't ever just come to me and say, Jerry's got a problem with theft. He, he don't do that. He may do it to some people, He don't do it to me. So, y'all don't sit there and worry that somehow me looking at you and making eye contact with you is because I know something about you, because I don't. But God sent me today to tell you that your sin, your little sin in your life that you think nobody else knows anything about and that you can get away with because, after all, it don't hurt anybody else. It's my business. That little thing that's in your life could be hindering the church. That little thing in your life may be hurting your family, may be causing your family to miss out on the blessings of God. You all probably understand that when there is sin or enmity, as the Bible calls it, in your life, there is separation between you and God. The two cannot coexist. God will not be a party to your sin. He'll have no part of it. And when you allow sin to come into your life and, and, and you think you've got it under control, you think you've got it hid, God says there won't be any blessings there, I promise you. Now you may live a life in all other aspects that's pleasing to God. 
But because you've got that one little thing you're hanging on to, God won't bless you. You you know, I see people all the time look around at other people and say, man, it sure seems like God's blessing them all the time. It sure seems like, you know, everything good just happens to them. How How come God don't ever do nothing to me? Well, it may be because of your attitude. Your attitude is getting in between you and God preventing the blessings. It may be you. You ever think about that? I heard somebody say one time that if you've been married three or four times, it might be you. If you've been missing out on God's blessings, it might be you. It might be that sin that you're allowing in your life. You know, all the praying in the world can't fix that. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. The church is representative of the body of Christ. Think about this little illustration. You can't drink poison and expect it to only affect one portion of the body. It either kills you or it don't. It'll make you sick as a dog or it'll kill you But I guarantee you, it ain't just going to affect your finger. When the body of Christ is infected with with sin, it's going to have an impact. It's not just just affecting you. And, you know, we're so self-centered, we start thinking, "This this is my little thing, it ain't hurting nobody else. I'll just keep it to myself and and I can enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. That's what the Bible says. You may enjoy it for a season, but I guarantee you there's going to come a time when when that sin is going to have an impact not only on you, not only on your family and your friends, but it's going to have an impact on the body of Christ. Because God cannot bless a church where there's somebody working in that church that has got sin in their life. He can't bless that ministry because there's there's division between us and Him. God, you know, you can look at the military, you can look at sports and school, a lot of different job situations, I'll teach teamwork. And you hear people say there's no I in team. Have y'all ever noticed that God is real big on teamwork. And when, when He was going to deal with the Israelites here, what was He going to do? He, he said His anger was kindled against all of them. Not against the one. Now you know the Scriptures don't necessarily record this. But you ever think maybe there were some of them that knew about it? You think maybe there were some of them that said, well that ain't none of my business. Yeah, he shouldn't have done that. And they probably started gossiping and and talking about him. But how many of you think somebody went to him and said, Aiken, you need to repent. You need to get rid of that. You think anybody went to him and told him that? Listen, it ain't just the pastor's responsibility to confront sin. You see sin in somebody's life, especially somebody you care about 
Are you just going to let them walk off the cliff? You know, I heard somebody the other day talking about, they were talking about witnessing to people. And uh, they said, if you saw a blind man walking toward a cliff, what would you do? Would you walk up and and tell him how how good everything's going to be, or or well, what would you do? Most people would say, "Hey, man, you're about to walk off the cliff. You need to change your direction." How is it any different? Listen, the word says it didn't. It didn't say if you're saved, you're okay. It said the the word says if you're a fornicator. If you have lust of the flesh, if you have all those terrible, awful things, you'll have no part in the kingdom of heaven. It didn't put a stipulation at the beginning if you sometime in your childhood had some religious experience that that made you feel warm and fuzzy that that none of this applies. It said if you are any of those things, if you give part to that stuff in your life, if you allow it in, You'll have no part in the kingdom of heaven. Now listen, that ought to wake somebody up this morning and make you think, maybe I ought to say something to my friends. Maybe I ought to say something to those people I see that are headed straight to hell because that's where they're going if somebody don't intervene. Now, if there's anybody you ought to say something to is the people you love and care about. The people you come to church with every Sunday, you see sin in their life, you ought to confront it. Now the Word says to do that kind of thing with love. You know, there's a whole lot of ways that you can confront sin. And I definitely believe you ought to be led by the Spirit of God when you do such a thing. But no matter how you do it, it needs to be in love. Because I guarantee you, five minutes earlier, you probably had sin in your life. Just because at this point in time, everything's good with you and God, it don't mean ten minutes from now it won't be a problem for you. So, when you go confront somebody, oh, well, let me tell you, not even just confronting them, how many times have y'all heard somebody, oh, well, look at what so-and-so's doing. I tell you what, they just, I don't understand. They're always getting themselves into this trouble. And you probably had a different problem last week. There's no, there's none good but one. I guarantee you, if it wasn't for the saving grace of Jesus Christ and because of the work that He do, does in me, I'd be a vile, wretched, oh, terrible person today. And I'm not trying to claim that somehow I have reached the mark. I, I, I have yet to attain. I promise you that. The, the, the only difference in me and somebody else of this world is that I'm saved by grace. Grace is, is something that I'd, I get something I don't deserve. I deserve nothing but death in hell. But I get salvation in return. Because I'm saved by grace. If you continue reading on in Joshua chapter 7 there, you'll see the punishment that Achan received. They took him out. 
They stoned him, burned him, everything he had, including his children. And you may say, man, that's, that seems like an awful harsh punishment. Why would they destroy all of his belongings and, and stone and burn his kids and everything else? Well, I guarantee you it wasn't because his kids were innocent. You know, there is a, a law in the Word. I can't tell you right now where it's at, but it's there, I promise you. That said, the sins of the fathers won't be visited on the children. It's not their fault that their father sinned. But when they knew about it and did nothing, they became a party to his sin. They might as well have done it themselves. You know, they probably even helped him hide it. They probably even even told other people, no, he didn't do nothing. You know, they covered up for him. There probably even came a time when they knew better and they should have said something to him, but they just sat there. And ignored it. Because it's not none of my business. That's his problem. Let me tell y'all something. There, there is a, another sin that I believe is the sin of, of omission. Just ignoring it. Knowing that you ought to be doing what, what everything you can to help somebody correct themselves, but you just sit there and say, well, that ain't none of my business. I'll just keep out of that. Sin hurts more than just the person that's doing it. We have a responsibility to each other. We shouldn't allow fellow Christians to knowingly continue in sin. God can't bless a church body that allows sin openly. Turn to Joshua 7 and verse 10. At this point, Joshua... This is before it was revealed that it was Achan that had committed the sin. And they went and they fought this battle with Ai. And Ai, this seemingly insignificant group of people, it was a point where Joshua, even he didn't even send everybody. He just said, I'll just take a couple... You know, two, three thousand people over here, and y'all can just clean them up, no problem. And AI sent them running for the hills, killed many of them. And Joshua can't figure out what's going wrong. And he's just down on his face praying, trying to figure out, God, what have we done? I understand that you told us you was going to be with us, you told us you was going to fight for us. We pick up in verse 10, it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel has sinned. He said, Quit your whining and moaning. Quit praying, because praying ain't going to do nothing about it until you confront that sin that is in the camp. Until that sin is addressed, I don't want to hear about it. I am not going to be a part of that sin that, that has been allowed in. You know, I wonder if not at this point, if maybe even Joshua hadn't heard about it. Maybe Joshua heard that somebody had took something. Somebody still had something that they weren't supposed to have. I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us that, but it makes you wonder. 
It says, Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have, have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. So God told Joshua, quit wasting time praying and go take care of the sin. You know, it's not easy to confront somebody. It's not easy. But listen, it's a whole lot easier when you go to them with the attitude of, look, I'm a sinner just like you. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be in the same place you're in right now. But you don't have to continue this way. You can make a change right now. You can decide right now that I need to get rid of that thing. Now listen, I want you all to look at Achan. You may have to go back and reread this later on. It's a good story. But you all look at Achan. There came a point where, where it was revealed that he was the one. What did Achan do? He confessed. But I want you all to notice that not one time did he ever repent of his sin. Not one time did he ever come forward of his own volition and say, Man, I've done this. I feel terrible about it. It's just like Cain. You look at Cain back in Genesis and you'll see that he killed his brother. God confronted him on it and never one time did he repent. He said, my punishment is more than I can bear. That's all he said. Some people are just okay to stay in sin. But the Bible tells us something about how to handle those kind of people. And I'm not trying to tell you right now that we're fixing to drag somebody out of this church and stone them and burn them. But over in the New Testament, Paul says, look, if, if they continue in sin openly, they're not even repentant of it. He said, put them out of the church. Until they can confess and, and repent. Listen, confession is not the only thing that gets you forgiveness. You can openly say, I did it, I stole it, and let it stay right there. Not everybody that gets caught feels sorry for it. The key to forgiveness and restoring the blessings of God in your life is repentance. You know, if Achan would have, from the beginning stole that thing, and if he had went to God and said, God, I messed up. Forgive me of that. And went and done the right thing and confessed. I'm not telling y'all there ain't punishment still. Because I've done plenty of things that I'm still paying for in my life. It's punishment. There are consequences for what you do, believe it or not. Now the world won't tell you that. The world will tell you that you can do whatever you want to do. But I'm here to tell you today, there are consequences for your actions. But you can be forgiven. You know, as Christians, we should be quick to repent of our sin. Have y'all ever... Have y'all ever done something you shouldn't have done and waited a week or two before you ever asked God to forgive you? Man, it just eats you up inside, don't it? Why? Why do we do that? Why do we waste all that time 
apart from God. I can't tell you the answer to that. But I know I've learned that it's a whole lot easier for me to quickly repent. I mean, I'm talking within minutes. (laughs) It's a whole lot easier to say, God, I did it again. Forgive me. I'm sorry I did it. It's a whole lot easier to do that than to sit there and hang on to it. Sometimes we want to just hang on to it for a while. Feel sorry for ourselves. You ever do that? You ever do something wrong and then you feel sorry for yourself because you're stuck in that situation? I don't understand humans sometimes. I do it all the time myself. But you know, Achan didn't confess until other people knew about his about what he had done. It don't take a very big man to stand up to and tell somebody what they've done after everybody already knows about it. And you know, Achan may have repented once he found out what the punishment was going to be. The Bible don't tell us that, but I can see him standing there with a bunch of people lined up fixing to throw rocks, and he said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. Y'all forgive me. It's too late. The punishment has already been assigned. But do y'all know that this time that we live in is called the age of grace? You know, she sang something in that song earlier about going before the throne of grace. Aren't you glad that God's punishment is withheld from us for a time? Aren't you glad that we have an opportunity now to to be forgiven when we repent? Aren't you glad that you don't have to live a life of torment? You don't have to live two or three weeks or a year carrying the weight of that sin. You can go to God anytime. I could get on my knees right now and ask God to forgive me of sin. I don't have to wait for some event to happen. I don't have to wait for the stars to all align just right before I can go to God in prayer. So why do we carry that sin with us? Why do we allow those things to to keep us in bondage? Yeah, I said that. Understand it. Because when you have sin in your life, you can't enjoy the blessings of God. You might as well be in a, in a cage somewhere because you're separated from Him. How many of y'all have some friends or family that's in prison? There's probably quite a few of you. I bet you can't get real close to them and spend much time with them, can you? Because there's something dividing you from them. You know, you see on TV, I've never been to one myself, but you see on TV these people that go and visit people in prison and there's this, this glass wall between them and they have to pick up the, the phone and talk to each other because they, they can't even touch them. That's what it's like to have sin in your life between you and God. It's just a dividing wall. Now that's enough about you. What about the church? Do you realize, like I've already told you, when you've got sin in your life, 
you could be hindering the church, the entire church body, from receiving a blessing. You wonder why a church can't grow and why a church can't seem to make the bills and and there's no money coming in, there's no blessings from God. It's because somebody's not confronting sin. Somebody's not willing to take a stand and say, listen brother, you have got sin in your life. And you need to do something about it. Or go. See, there's three options that is given to us in the New Testament. When you know about somebody that's sinning, first, you confront them in love. And if they don't change, you go to the pastor. The pastor confronts them in love. And if they don't change, you bring it before the entire church. And the church confronts them in love. And if they don't change, you put them out. That's three chances. That's three public opportunities to make things right. Now you can make right things right before the person ever confronts you. <clears throat> but notice that the first one is still a private thing. You can save yourself a whole lot of embarrassment. I don't know who this is for today. I don't know whose life this impacts today, but I want you to know, if you take nothing else from this Word, sin in your life doesn't just hurt you. Is that sin, that thing that you say, oh, that ain't nobody else's business, I can handle that. That's just between me and God. Is that thing really that important to you? Is that really so great of a thing that you not only want to be separated from the blessings of God, but you want to hinder somebody else? You want to cause your family to miss out on blessings? Is it really that important? You know, I understand a little bit about addiction. And I know when when you have an addiction, whatever it might be, I ain't just talking about hard drugs. I'm, I mean, there's lots of things can be an addiction. And I'll tell you right now, I have an addiction to Dr. Pepper. Now, that's most people just blow that off. But I'll tell you all right now, it affects me. If, <clears throat> if I don't have a Dr. Pepper, that's what I'm thinking about is how can I get a Dr. Pepper? Now, I'm telling y'all, it sounds silly, don't it? But it has an impact on my life. And I find myself responding to a need for Dr. Pepper. So I quit them. And I I ain't going to lie to you, I've had a few since I quit, but they're few and far between. And I'm going to tell y'all what, I feel better. but Not just because I don't have Dr. Pepper in my system, but... I feel better because I now know I can have victory over that little small thing. When you can have victory over something small, you can take a step up to something else. But when you let something small, like an addiction to Dr. Pepper, conquer you, how in the world do you think you're going to face addiction to alcohol or cigarettes or pornography? 
can't do that. If you're going to let Dr. Pepper beat you down, how are you going to fight the devil on any other, uh, any other plane? Like I said, I know it sounds silly. But I also know right now how I feel about a Dr. Pepper just from talking about it. <laughs> That's serious. Now, I, I'm just being upfront and honest with y'all today. It's serious. Now, Dr. Pepper doesn't affect me in any way. It doesn't prevent me from being a Christian. There's nothing sinful about drinking a Dr. Pepper. But because of the, the hold that I know it has on me, the Bible says, to, to him that knoweth to do right and does it not, to him it is sin. So when I see that hold that Dr. Pepper has on me and that I don't feel right in the morning unless I drink one, and along three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm just I can't think about none of my work because I want a Dr. Pepper. That's a problem. And when you allow that little small thing like that in, what else are you going to allow in? You've got to pick your battles. Not everything is worth fighting for right this minute because you may not be strong enough to fight for it. But you pick your battles. Pick a small one. I don't know what's in your life today. I don't know much about any of y'all personally. But you know yourself. You know what kind of stuff you've allowed in. You know the thing that really trips your trigger. Whatever it might be. Let's just assume... Right now, one of y'all has a problem with alcohol. I'm just making this up, so don't start looking around at each other. But let's say you have a problem with alcohol. It would behoove you to stay out of a liquor store. It's not in your best interest to be around others that are drinking if you're trying to quit. Know what the situations are that subject you to that temptation and avoid them at all costs. Now that sounds like you're running away from it. That's just being smart. If you know you're going to get hit in the head every time you walk out that door, I guarantee you, you'll start walking out this one, won't you? That's just being smart. Uh, you know, my ag teacher told me one time in high school, he said, a smart man learns from his own mistakes. But a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. You start looking around and see somebody else with a problem, avoid it yourself. 